on uh, disrupting the agency model. I'm your moderator for the day, Emily Hinks, and I'm the founder of a facilitation agency called Mischief Makers. We work with companies and teams to help them be more creative. And if we're talking about any types of companies or industry that has creativity in abundance, you can look no further than advertising. Uh, so advertising agencies are notorious for priding themselves in creativity and innovation. And yet we have this hot topic at the moment around agencies needing to be uh, disrupt, uh, to disrupt themselves or be disrupted. And that's a little bit what we're going to be exploring today with the idea of brands taking creativity in-house, consultancies getting into the creative game. Um, but with all those kind of uh, uh, things on the horizon, there's also some really exciting opportunities for us to think about what the future uh, agency model looks like. So uh, with diving straight into that, uh, we have some of the most amazing people from some of the most awesome agencies uh, here to talk to us today. And instead of trying to do them justice, I'm going to invite them to each introduce themselves. So Blake, over to you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Blake Harrop. I'm Managing Director at Wyden Kennedy Amsterdam. I've been with Wyden Kennedy for seven and a half years, four and a half in Japan, where I manage the Tokyo office of Wyden Kennedy, and the last three here in Amsterdam. Hi there, I'm Amanda Fev. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for Anomaly in Amsterdam. Uh, I've been at Anomaly for five years. As you can tell from my accent, I am not from here. I'm American and French, uh, and at this stage of my career, I have lived and worked in New York, London, and Amsterdam. I'm Alex Wills, um, I'm Managing Director of our Marketing Transformation Group in RGA London, and I've been with RGA now for just over five years. Thank you guys. What an awesome panel. You guys are very lucky. Uh, so we've had an introduction to who you are, and we're going to be talking about this uh, disruptive model uh, of agency of the future. But before we do that, I want to get a good understanding of what is the uh, current state of your agency. Where are you now? Who are you now? Um, could you tell us a little bit about the current state. I can jump in, we'll keep the order. Um, yeah, so Wayne Kennedy Amsterdam has been around for um, over 20 years and we grew up as an agency, we're an independent creative agency, we grew up uh, making big global TV advertising campaigns and integrated campaigns and over the last five years or so we've been making this transition towards doing more work, more digital work and more work with consumer internet brands. So our current state of play is uh, working with clients on a global basis such as Nike, Facebook, Instagram, Airbnb, Corona and others uh, and helping them figure out how to grow. Do some of the things that we've always done for our clients but these days more with uh, technology companies and helping them figure out how to succeed. Thank you. Good. Over to you. Great. Um, so when Anomaly was founded in 2004, the founding partners sat down and wrote a business plan and they said that our mission for the company was to become the acknowledged change agent within the communications industry. So I think for us, there's been a long-standing recognition that everything around us is changing and that if we don't change, we're going to get left behind. Um, so we were founded 14 years ago with that principle. We now are in seven cities with about 700 people. The Amsterdam office has been around for five years and I think our starting point with every client is before we get to what the answer is we need to really interrogate what's the business challenge that we're trying to solve together. We're not committed to advertising being the answer although advertising could be the answer. What we want to do is interrogate the issue from a number of perspectives and then get you the best answer possible whatever form that might take. So we have a pretty diverse I would say um, range of outputs on very different kinds of client businesses. 
So um, Bob Greenberg um, set up RGA in New York in the late 70s, and it was actually a special effects and visual effects company that did film title sequences. It did Superman, and it did uh, Aliens. It did thousands of um, film title sequences. It's always about mixing creativity and technology together. And he famously kind of pivoted the company at its most uh, radical um, around the early 90s when the internet was just taking off. And he um, really thought this was going to be you know, game-changing, really disruptive. And um, half the company thought he was slightly mad. Uh, most of them went to LA, um, actually founded sort of imaginary forces and other things. Um, and he sort of stuck with a smaller crew and built it from there. And we sort of disrupt ourselves every nine years, although it kind of feels like every nine months at the moment because of the pace of change. Um, and over the last, I guess, couple of years, have sort of organized ourselves along um, sort of four different uh, capabilities. One is business transformation, which is consulting but not like long six months of consulting and massive sort of, uh, you know, McKinsey-esque reports, but very quickly getting to the sort of the business problems um, and helping solve um, them at speed. And then experience transformation, some of the stuff we did for Nike back in the day, but more recently with Beats that became Apple Music, sort of really, really hardcore digital product and service design. Um, marketing transformation, um, which is, um, as the name suggests, uh, all about uh, marketing, but more about sort of connecting the consumer journey up at every sort of touch point and measuring it accordingly. And then the other piece of the puzzle is our venture studio firm, which is, um, uh, I think it's been going about three years now, and we've accelerated about 150 companies um, across our global network. And that kind of keeps us, um, yeah, close to that, that world um, as well. So that's kind of how we're currently set up. Thank you. And Amanda, you said that you, um, at Anomaly, were very, uh, you, you saw that disruption might be coming and that you needed to pivot to avoid that. Yeah. Um, but can you tell me a little bit what, about some of those disruptions you saw coming? I mean, I think that when, you know, technology is a great democratizer. And I think that agencies used to have the very privileged position of being, you know, a, a magnet for clients and a magnet for talent um, and coming up with great ideas. And I think over time there have been more competing forces in play and people started to recognize that if we kept playing by the old rules, we were going to get a little bit left behind. Um, and I think what we set out to do was to challenge some of the fundamentals that the agency model is built on. For instance, to give one example, you know, most agencies charge clients based on time. It's, I'm going to charge you X amount of money for you know, this many people and these, this many hours. And I think we fundamentally, from the day that we started, said we're going to change that model because what we should be doing is getting ourselves into the business of value creation. Don't think of you know, investment in advertising or marketing and comms as a non-working cost. Let's think about the value that we're going to create for people put some skin in the game and make sure that we're compensated accordingly. Um, and I think, you know, as the agency has continued to evolve, our appetite for trying to disrupt ourselves remains pretty undiminished because we recognize that, you know, change, change is pretty much the only constant and it's not getting any slower. So we need to continuously adapt and evolve to, you know, stay ahead. And with that idea that change is the only constant, um, you've spoken about the kind of different lines that you have now within RGA. Um, what do you guys think, or what do you think in particular as well, is this future uh, model of the uh, model agency of the future? What is it? I think I think the key thing is certainly for us, and I think for clients as well, is is joining all those things up. I think I think that's the critical thing, and it, and it's doing it pretty quickly. I think things are happening really quickly. Uh, brands and clients need to take things to market really really quickly, and so if they're working with multiple partners. Um, which is often the agency mix, um, it's just going to be slow. However well those agencies play together um, of, with varying degrees of success, you know, to have all of those under one roof and to have that team really, really integrated solving that problem at pace, you know, from consultative
from business transformation or those types of thinkers who can unlock uh, really crunchy business problems but then hand that quickly to people who are going to make digital products and services to sort of you know test that out and then try and market it uh, as well I think that's that's for us is how we're, we're trying to organize ourselves but not just these silos very much integrated and and as a result being able to work really quickly to solve these these challenges and how does that work within Widen Kennedy in terms of the um, um, different departments or different areas working together? Yeah, I mean, so Widen Kennedy, much, um, something Amanda said that really resonated was that culture of like wanting to disrupt things and change things. And at Widen Kennedy, we talk about chaos and the fact that I think, you know, all of these agencies have been at the top of some list over the last five years for being most innovative, something or other. Uh, I'll go out on a limb and say we haven't got it figured out, at least speaking for my agency. That's, I think, one of the beauties of how it allows you, it frees you to then start trying new things. So whatever it is, our, our last success, like we got to believe that there's better stuff to come. So I think building that chaos and that freedom allows for creativity to thrive and therefore you need a little bit of structure to make sure that the wheels don't come off. So the structure that we've got is the same structure that we've had pretty much since our inception. We still are creatively driven. So every office at Wayne Kennedy is run by two executive creative directors and one managing director. So two creative votes, only one business vote. And I'm the MD, by the way, I always lose. So, uh, so that structure is the same. The process has changed a lot. The process, you know, some of the uh, things that were said about, about speed, for sure, like things are moving so quickly that you, you can't use the same processes anymore. But I think the culture, uh, of the company and the structure of the company, at least for us, for right now, again, we've not got it figured out, that feels like the thing that we shouldn't change. So you say that speed is a new thing, something is going much faster. Uh, is that from the client side as well, that they're asking for more speed? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just to keep, I, <laughs> I think I, no one's going to say no. It kind of feels like there isn't anyone who isn't asking for speed. I mean, I think that it comes from clients, but it also comes from the changing nature of our competitive landscape. And in a way, it should also come from all of us because, you know, for better and for worse, some of us have been in this industry for a long time and you used to take a really, really long time to do things. And I think that there's just isn't the tolerance for that these days from a cost perspective, from an efficiency perspective, and just in terms of wanting to get to results and, you know, get things live quickly. Yeah, and it's a bit from the, you know, the, the startup world and, and all of that. And, and that's a key component because you can't take the time to go, right, we're going to come in and understand your business and do a definition and do all this. It's like, you've just got to hit the ground running. It doesn't mean you don't do the research and the rigor and all of that, but you can do that as you are as you are getting into the project. I think the other challenge though is like if you run too quick, and we found it recently on a, on a client, um, you know, there was no brand building going on. So, so you're doing sort of quite sort of functional comms really, really quickly. But if you if you don't lay the groundwork to build a brand, then it's going to fizzle out. And I think it, you definitely speed, um, and and you've got to run much quicker, and you've got to break the processes to allow you to do that. But you've also still got to you know really, really enforce the need to build a brand um, foundation if it is a new product or even an existing one. So when we're talking about innovating ourselves in the agency of the future versus now, what things are you doing uh, uh, within your agencies to facilitate that um, new speed? So you spoke about maybe breaking down um, processes, a couple of you touched upon. What else needs to change within an agency to facilitate the speed? I mean, I think, I, I think like, just sticking on the speed point for a moment, I think like where you use your time as an agency uh, is, becomes increasingly important. And in the past, you would talk a lot about, you know, being jealous of the other agency's campaign that has launched. 
I think now that's been exploded and everyone can create, edit, and publish content with the phone in their pocket. So your competitor is not the agency, it's everyone. So how quickly you can get your idea made and get it out there becomes incredibly important. But how good that idea is also becomes important and that will require time. So it, we almost have to flip the process on its head where a company like Wyden Kennedy that's famous for craft and like sweating the details of producing something beautiful, there are, there are occasions where we shouldn't do that. We should actually like unpick the process and move quickly because it will result in more creative opportunities. There are other occasions where you do need to like preserve the, the time required to craft something. So that the culture of not being too precious about the one thing, that's, the, that's something that needs to change. And I think that process and talking about that, I think is really important for agencies. And I think some of those fundamentals are kind of on us to defend because I think, again, when you've been in brand building for a long time in whatever discipline it is, you recognize that getting an emotional connection with your audience is going to be absolutely critical to changing any sort of behavior. I mean, there are lots of short-term tactical things um, that are out there, but I think if there's something that separates us from our growing pool of competitors, it is that ability to create a real emotional connection and to start building some long-term brand value, which is going to build something enduring for your client. And despite all of the pressures that we all face to get to solutions more quickly, I think we have to remain really steadfast advocates for short-term and long-term thinking in parallel, and it being an and and not an or. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think just on the, on the sort of what, what, do you, what do you need to achieve, I think you need individuals now that can span more disciplines and can be more, I mean, it's an old sort of phrase, but more T-shaped, you know. For certain disciplines, you still need specialists, you know, to do certain things, but in the core, solving these problems, I think you need sort of a core crew that, you know, really understand a client's business um, and, and can span across a lot. It's, it, it, it can't be handed off anymore because it slows it down. And I think you're touching upon something really interesting there, Alex, around the role of talent within the agency of the future. Um, so you spoke a little bit then about this idea of T-shaped people and talent being multidiscipline. Um, how do you um, keep someone who is multidisciplinary and maybe doesn't want to be in more traditional so, uh, silos, how do you keep them engaged and happy? How do you deal with those people? I mean, it's, um, it's an increase in, uh, I read something the other day, which is agencies are becoming the uh, sort of hothouse for tech companies, you know, at the moment for talent. Um, one thing we have done, and it has worked, is the venture um, studio that we have. Um, because what we do is we bring in these brands for these um, uh, secondments to accelerate, and we curate an agency team around them, depending on the needs. So it might be, they might need their brand sorted, they might need business strategy, they might need tech, they might need all sorts of things, and we'll curate a team from the agency to accelerate them over a six to eight week period. And that's really good for our talent because they're wanting to go to startups and check out that world because it's, a, it's exciting, it's a bit more exciting sometimes in the day-to-day -day, uh, working with some of our clients, hopefully not, but, um, but that has really helped because people get a, a, a taste of that and yet they're still within the sort of enclave, maybe the safety of the, the agency uh, wall and some of those things that are positive around that, but they get to sort of be exposed to rapid sort of ideation and creation um, with these sort of interesting startups. I mean, I think that there's another thing, which is the, the importance for all of us in diversifying our outputs so that the people that we're trying to attract or the people that are already in-house feel like they can learn and stretch themselves in new ways. I think there are a lot of companies that, you know, once upon a time had a reputation for being great at doing print ads or great at doing TV. And I think people reach a point in their careers where they feel like that doesn't continue to stretch them. And you want to believe that you're going to be exposed to projects where you have the opportunities and possibilities to create something new. And that could be a new product where you actually end up designing a new form of lip balm or, you know, th things where you look around and you go, I couldn't do this anywhere. You want, to, you want to work in a place where you feel like the opportunities for what you can create are broad rather than very limited. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one other thing that's important for agencies to recognize is that, you know, there's an increasing number of places that can create advertising work. So you, we're seeing it created by consultancies, we're seeing it created by in-house agencies. So I think to be an, a standalone agency in the future, you're going to need to be able to curate really exciting assignments for talent. If you can't put together a portfolio of meaningful projects that a young creative person or an old creative person is going to say, yeah, that's where I want to spend the next three years of my life, I'm going after that, then I don't think, I don't think an agency that can't do that is going to have much of a future. And how are you finding those people? Where are you looking for them? And how are you attracting them when we're talking about these type, this type of profile that's so important within the future of the agency? Uh, we're looking for them here. So if you walk around and shout Sophie loud enough, the lady that puts her hand up, who talked earlier in the other room, uh, she's the person to speak to. Um, but yeah, I mean, we look everywhere we have, and I, I think an increasing number of agencies have uh, like, uh, like training programs or schools. So we have the Kennedys that we run and have run for the last seven years. Uh, that's now a global program. We have flash internships for even younger people to come into the agency. Um, we do the ordinary, we have in-house recruiting teams, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy. We also move people around our network a lot, so there's a lot of finding talent from within the agency, but from other offices, um, yeah. I think there's just you know, an increasing recognition that good talent can come from lots of different places, and I think we've talked a lot about the increasing competition that we face from not just consultancies and in-house agencies, but also publishing platforms and kind of technology platforms with everybody going directly to brands and saying, we can create content for you. I think advertising in general is losing a lot of talent in one direction, and it's on us to find ways to attract people to make sure that it's, that it's really a kind of two-way exchange. Um, and you know, a, a big part of that is just going to be belief that you have the opportunity to really do something differently and that disruption is more than a buzzword, it's a behavior. Yeah, nice. More than a buzzword, a behavior. I like it. Um, so you spoke a little bit as well before about um, the, the finance behind it when we're talking about the business model of the future as well and maybe uh, working with and charging clients in different ways. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have a fundamental principle, which is that we should have entrepreneurial compensation structures. And again, we don't do timesheets, we don't charge for time, we charge for value creation, because I think when you orient your business around how many man hours it's going to take to do something, it almost encourages an efficiency. Whereas, you know, if we can kind of create a solution that gets clients to value, whether it's quickly or slowly, that, that's what they should compensate us for. And I think that the other thing that's really important to us, and which is really important in this landscape, is that you have performance-based compensation as part of the overall package because we have to be able to demonstrate that the work that we're doing is delivering results and not just making nice work, but that it's actually doing something in the real world and changing people's behavior. And I think that's one of the ways that it's really important for us to kind of, you know, um, continue to compete with the ever-increasing number of forks that are sort of out there looking for a piece of smaller and smaller pie. Yeah, I think... Um I think it is going to have to be seriously looked at over the next couple of years. I think we know the big retainers in the agency of records are sort of dwindling a little bit. I think there was a lot of fat in them, um, but I still, I think we believe that there's a need to, like this core squad of people that I said, you need to retain a, a crew of people on, a, on an account or, or, or solving a problem, and that needs to be paid, obviously needs to be paid for, but like has some, um, you know, uh, he heads up that you're going to sort of keep these people on the, on, the, on the job. So it can't just be project by project, it can be as well, but 
So I think the bigger retainers are going to sort of dwindle a little bit. I think our ventures arm has allowed us to investigate different business models. Um, and that wasn't easy because we're set up in a certain way. We're part of a holding company. It's pretty challenging to suddenly go, well, let's do um, stakes in these startups. I mean, that's not, it sounds easy, but it's, it's really not. So that's allowed us to create a vehicle where we can test new models of, of, um, of financing these sort of projects. And I think that's going to grow over the next few years and needs to, um, uh, to, to sort of diversify the, the, the way we get paid. And in terms of that business model setup, so you spoke um, earlier about the different um, ventures that you have. Um, we know that with uh, brands taking their creative work potentially in-house and other people getting into this creative game, where do you think are the other interesting places for you to play as an agency in terms of the value, the things that you can deliver for brands and companies? I think the in-house is interesting. We've just actually responded to an RFE on Wednesday for, for that exact same thing, but it's... it's I'm going to name the client, but, um, but it's, it's, the, it's the first stage of them in-housing. And it's a total pilot. I mean, they admit the procurement guys who are slightly driving it, uh, but the brand teams are on board as well. It's for functional stuff. It's for, like, community management. It's for sort of social uh, stuff. It kind of makes sense. And we could have decided to go, we're not interested. This isn't, this isn't for us. But it'd be a bit silly because I think there will be then an evolution to an agency in-house model. But then that's on us to work even harder to go, well, what's us then? What's the main mothership? What, what, is it, what does it do that can't be done in-house? And I think that's, that's a good challenge. I think it's one we can answer by saying, well, we can do you know, this, 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 you know, it, you know, absolute forward thinking, be the pioneers of this, great creative platforms that the in-house agency can't and probably shouldn't do because you're not going to be able to attract that level of talent or culture you know, re realistically to do that. But I think if you have those stages, I think embrace it. It's more consultative. It's understanding their business from the inside, but it's just understanding the level that you play at and the, in the interface between uh, the outside agency and maybe the in-house agency. So I think I think that is an opportunity. It's quite scary. I mean, when the RFP in, the RFP came in, a few people fell over. But um, you know, I think that's an interesting thing to embrace and 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 understand how it can be of benefit. Yeah, I think like <clears throat> there's so much advertising out there that there's enough stuff that needs to get made that there'll be lots of ad agencies and in-house teams and consultancies. I think the thing that's always driven us as a company is like we don't really like ads or we don't like the majority of ads and you know I think most people don't like the majority of ads. I mean YouTube hard code skip ad into their UI you know there are ad blocking technologies like you know attention spans are extremely low subscription services is growing so people don't want ads but they want entertaining experiences they want nice content so i think if we can be focused on that then there's going to be like that there'll be a future model so we don't worry too much about the stuff that's going in house the like some of those rudimentary things the content that needs to fill the pipes that's fine. Like, we know that the thing that we do is the external perspective. It's the breakthrough creativity. So everything that we do to build our future businesses in service of protecting and evolving that. So things like looking at emerging entertainment platforms, things like, um, yeah, investing in creative projects that are going to stretch the agency into new places. Those are the things, like, just to focus on, are we making things that people really want? Because if we're not doing that, then I just saw that guy's t-shirt said game over. So game over. <laughs> 
Thanks, guy with the t-shirt. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, just, just to build on that, of course, it is absolutely on us to entertain and to make people care because most of the time, advertisers are making things that people don't care about or enjoy. But I think that one of the things that we're seeing change in our business is how we go about making that is changing and actually investing in production resource is an increasing priority because once upon a time, you had that kind of relay race system of like, you have an idea and then you get a production company on board and then they go and make it. And now that we're in this world where everyone is a maker from a kind of prototype and technology point of view, but also from a film, you know, social post, whatever it might be point of view, I think we're all recognizing the need to be able to do more stuff ourselves more quickly and at lower cost than in the old model where you had, you know, the producer who basically was a sort of air traffic controller and overseer but wasn't really making anything. I think that we're looking for people who are kind of committed to joining a place where they feel like they have the chance to make stuff and instead of being afraid to roll their sleeves up and get stuck in, they think, great, let's have at it. Uh, and I'm going to wrap up with um, a last question before asking you to share your last tips and uh, learnings on something that you were talking about, that, about this perspective. Um, I know that you all have um, um, global offices uh, all over the world, and I want to uh, explore the role of, that, um, of the global perspective in terms of the agency of the future. How do you utilize people from different offices or um, um, work with clients across different offices, perhaps? I think it's extremely important, and we've seen even in the last 18 months trends towards you know, there's always a pendulum swing between centralization and decentralization, we find. Um, and there's like a political climate as well that affects that. Uh, you know, I think what we found to be important when you're trying to create global work is if you exist in this sort of, this non-existent global space where nobody actually lives, then you're not gonna have your feet on the ground enough to create work that people really resonate with. So we always try to do a mixture of global work and local work. Um, and we also try to protect teams so that they are not just thrown together from like some eye in the sky that thinks that it will make sense and they will figure it out. Because the human dynamics of whether you've got the best web conferencing technology and collaborative software tools, it is gonna come down to the trust and the chemistry between the individuals that are being vulnerable in front of each other, putting ideas out there. That fundamental human chemistry of people co-creating together sometimes needs to be in physical proximity. So we try to protect that a little bit. We have people move across offices a lot, but we tend not to do projects where it's like, all right, guy from that office, girl from that office, like virtual team, go do. I, I, I'm not a believer in the output that comes from that. I wouldn't say that we do virtual team go do, but we do actually work a lot across our offices. And I think that when a lot of agencies talk about being global, they're talking about a geographic fact, but really they're just a bunch of silos in different locations. I think that the way that we work tends to be very collaborative, and we're lucky in that we're only seven offices and 700 people, and that you have a leadership team that's been in place for a long time and knows each other. And I think what we always look for is, you know, when a project comes in, who are the people with the right experience to bring to bear for that project? Who are people who could grow and benefit from being exposed to this as a new kind of project? Um, but I think for us to be global means to have a kind of a unified vision and a sense of what it is that we're trying to do and a, a real ability to kind of shed the egos and collaborate to get to a better answer together. Yeah, I mean, the, the vast majority of our, of our brands are global brands. And, you know, one thing they just expect is if they are in the US and we're working around the UK, that they can go into the office and have a meaningful conversation with somebody there about their business. And, and that's... That sounds so sort of obvious and that should be the case. 
it's actually hasn't been a couple of years back, I think, to that point around dots on a map. You know, we, we got slightly ding going, hey, it's a great spread, but you know, how, how would you facilitate that? And it, and it forced us to really sort of look at it and go, because everyone's got their P&L and everyone's got their sort of targets, and, but you need that because the clients expect it. They, they want you to, you know, they, they want to be able to go into another office and they want to be able to feel like you are a network, you are connected. They also want to be able to go, well, if we're going to do something in, in, in this country, how are you going to get the context around it? How are you going to get under the skin of it? How are you going to understand it? And you might be running out of, out of London. So it, more and more, you've just got to, it, 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 it's hard to do. It's been hard to do, um, certainly the, the bigger you get. But it, you've just got to do it. It's just expected. It's a global, um, you know, it's a global sort of village now. Um, but the, the systems in place, you have to do that. And some of them are soft and some of them are sort of software and some of them are a bit more um, process driven are critical because clients expect it. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of those systems? Well, <laughs> I mean, Bob came out not so long ago around, uh, uh, I think he was having a dig at um, a certain um, AI uh, bot that another agency um, are, are creating. I mean, we have got just some good good tools uh, in the back end. Nothing, nothing too shiny or whatever. I think we branded it um, RJOS, but it's really just a collection of tools like Slack, everything that everyone else uses, Google Drives. Um, but a few other things as well, like we've got a skills search where we can look across the network at what skills are in certain regions or what uh, specialist talent we have, and we can quickly look at that, and that's helpful. Um, and I think sharing of work, um, and not just work that goes out, but work that is, never goes out sometimes for pitches or for just great thinking that might just be siloed in a client group in Portland or Sao Paulo, bringing that out because it's brilliant thinking. We, 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 you know, we could get better at that because there's tons of stuff made and tons of great thinking made all the time. And that's quite soft, you know, put up a Google Drive, send it out on Slack, look, this great piece of work's out there, have a look at it, um, use it because, because a lot of great stuff doesn't see the light of day a lot of times and it's, and it's just bringing that up to the surface. Nice, thank you. So I would like, uh, if, we're, if we're about to leave, I know you can give one last pearl of wisdom thinking about the building blocks of the agency of the future, what would that be? Could you share your last thoughts? <laughs> I'd say there's lots of average stuff out there trying to make something great. Yeah, I think um, stay humble, stay hungry, and be good to people. Treat people the way, the way you want to be treated. Yeah, I think you've got to you know, solve genuine business problems um, with great creative ideas and across every single touch point that the, that the consumer um, engages with these days. Thank you very much. I don't know what time we're on if we have... No, we have no time. <laughs> no time. Come and ask them okay. questions in person. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, guys.